You're listening to the Everyone But Us podcast, straight from the heart of London. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Everyone But Us podcast. My name's Lewis, and of course, my usual guests with me are Steve and Wemma. Do you want to introduce yourself, guys? What's going on, man? You just introduced me. My name's Steve. I'll introduce myself again. All right, introduce yourself again then, mate. My name's Steve, a.k.a. Sugar White. And my name's Weymar, a.k.a. Weymar. <laughs> Great stuff. What have you guys been up to? How's, how's things all right? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I can't complain. I'm wired. made a banging roast dinner today, man. It was fucking banging. Oh, is it? Yeah. What did you cook? No chicken or anything like that, man. I, I had a pie today. Pie, roast potatoes, usual vegetables and shit. Plenty of gravy, bit of stuffing. It was good. I need to slow down, though, man. I'm starting to put under fucking pounds. I can feel it. But anyway, let's just get into the meat and bones in it, love. No one wants to hear what's been going on. We're obviously all under isolation, lockdown, or whatever it is. But we're obviously trying to keep this shit moving. <laughs> trying to bring as much content content as possible to the people and obviously thank you for sticking around. We never actually got a chance to do an interview when we done our, um, when was it, last year, really? we done our Rebellion tour. So obviously we managed to, we interviewed Slope, we obviously interviewed Freddie from Napple, we interviewed Rob and we interviewed um, Brian from Death Before Dishonor. But we never, ever, ever, ever had the opportunity to sit down with our friends who we obviously knew of that but made good friends on, on tour. And those guys are brick by brick. So I want to introduce. Yeah. So first of all, I was going to say thank you guys for coming along. And obviously, if you want to introduce yourselves one by one, doesn't matter who. But maybe let's start with the founding member of the band. That'd be moi, uh, Mike Valeni. I play guitar. Founding member of the band. I surround myself by these idiots. Oh uh, yeah, Ray Mazzola. Hey, you know I uh, joined the band about uh, what five years ago. So, uh, you know, it was more of a, a mutiny. It wasn't really a, it was a mutiny over the, the old singer. That's so, it. So, you know, Mike needed somebody to take the uh, the vision off of him, you know, from from drinking. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely know about that. And, of course, on bass. That's me. I'm Andy. Uh John left, and I think, I think John got fired because Mike wanted me to, to hire me so I could teach him how to play the guitar, but... We're not even five minutes into the into the podcast and already there is fucking friction. Shit. Shots getting fired straight off you the know what I'm But guys, anyway, how's as life? How's things going on in America for you guys? Obviously we just touch upon it briefly, but obviously everyone's feeling the fucking situation. But hope you guys are doing well there's no drama at your end but yeah let everyone hear what's going on we're all good up here uh i live down in texas these days you know for the past few years and it's uh it's all right down here it's i'm uh they just reopened the fucking state like i was saying earlier and uh just waiting for shit to hit the fan the thing to turn with the zombies yeah, so I can start right. shooting through my front door. So that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> you're gonna be doing. You're gonna be doing some Texas Rangers shit, man. Fucking hell! You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and we've had a little. We've had a little glimpse of where you're at at the moment. Obviously, we're not going to reveal. You can reveal obviously where you live. We have to tell the location, but it's pretty cool. Right. So um, if we just cut straight into it, man. We're just gonna gonna find out obviously i know obviously people here you're obviously more known over there in the states i'm sure you obviously have your fans i remember on tour there was a lot of people who were definitely into you but 
maybe for our, our UK based people, obviously, I don't, I don't believe you've ever played the show here in the UK, have you? No, no, no. Okay, no. yeah. So let's just obviously get familiarised by, by our people over here. So, um, how did the band start? Obviously, Mike, you're the one who can let us know and delve into that sort of thing. Um, well, growing up, I was I was mostly a metal kid. Uh, I played in a thrash band, you know, for a few years, and then I uh, went to a <laughs> like it was like a a swing mixed with hardcore, hard rock kind of band, and that ran its course. And in 2004, it, we had mutual friends. You know, it, it was me, uh, the old drummer Rory, Rich, and Sean which was the original lineup of Brick by Brick. And we bas just basically said, listen, this is the model I want to be. I want to go back to roots of hardcore and thrash metal and, and you know, start something and, and do that. And we had kind of a, a, a plan of attack to do it, and we were on track. And in 2005, mid-2005, we had uh, opportunity to showcase for uh, – Stillborn Records, Jamie Jossa was going to do some stuff with us uh, and put us on tour with him. And we were going to do some things, and the singer decided to get drunk and not show up to the show. Oh, so, oh shit. Yeah, so that, that kind of uh, set the tone in a bad way for the band. And we had a little streak of bad luck for a few years. And it took us a long time to kind of recuperate. And as we're recuperating, it just everybody's everybody's lives just started going in different directions. And, and next thing you know, uh, Rich was the wet blanket. So we got rid of Rich. We got, or Rory became the wet blanket. So we got rid of Rory, who was the drummer first. So we replaced him with Jameson. So Jameson's been with us, you know, for you know, probably over 10 years now. And then, mm -hmm. then uh, Rich, we got rid of Rich, got Ray in the band. And once Ray came into the fold, we kind of started over. And that's when we can actually start. We actually started touring in 2014 after being together for 10 years, not being wow. able to do anything besides sporadic shows here and there. We never really had uh, an actual tour schedule. Um, and the last tour schedule that we did have with that lineup, uh, we, we did Biohazard. We, it was us in Biohazard in Canada. And it was only a five-day run. And Rich short-circuited pretty much and i was already talking to ray at the time and he's like hey if you ever need anybody to fill in let me know and i'm like listen we got this mad ball tour coming up i do not see rich doing it and basically i, I can't stand the kid he just just ruined everything from the get-go and it just kind of just made me lazy and then once ray got in the fold kind of reinvigorated everything and we did the mad ball tour and then Ray just kind of merged with us, and that was that. And then uh, Andy joined us, the, the latest, and that was to replace Sean. Sean didn't want to tour anymore. He wanted to do the family thing and all that. So um, Andy is, you know, I called Andy. I said, hey, you know anybody that might want to play bass? And he's like, yeah, me. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give that. I'll give that scumbag credit. He is a better guitarist than me. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's what it is. So here we are. So now we can actually do stuff, and now we're old. 
that is a pretty cool. Being old is a privilege in uh in some countries, man. So yeah, for real. You got to be thankful for that, I guess, or something. No, yeah. the cool thing is, though, it's like we're all experienced. So it's not like, you know, we know, we know where we are in life. You know, I'm no, I know I'm not making a million dollars in this. Let's just have some fun. So yeah, drinking real. beers and meeting new people along the way. That's, that's what I like. That that's, that's my richness. Well, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, that's that, one. that brief rundown was actually pretty cool to hear. Man. That's the whole podcast done. Thank you, know, you and good night. <laughs> no, like, I mean, it sets, it sets the tone very well, but I wanted to ask a, a, a quick question off of, the, off of the top of that. You said you didn't really tour much at all. So even in the States, you like you guys, you just played maybe weekends here or just odd shows yeah. here and there. When, like, we had, when we had the former lineup, literally we would play maybe 10 times a year. Just and mostly local within a few hour radius, and we never really did much. When Ray got in the fold in 2014, we did West Coast tours, we did East Coast tours, we did you know the Midwest, we did Europe. You know, it's like we're now we're we have a schedule where we're capable of holding it together. And like I said, we're all we we have a great time. And with the old lineup, we didn't have a good time because. Somebody always had an attitude. Somebody always was a wet blanket. Somebody always had something to bitch about. We've, we did three CDs and a couple seven inches with the old lineup, but they're all sold out in print, and they're never going to be reprinted again. So what we're doing with Ray in the past, over the past three CDs that we've done with Ray, we've re-recorded like the favorite tunes off the first three records uh, and okay. our, our own new stuff. So... Technically, yeah. the 2014, if you ask me, I said, you know, that, that past 10 years was kind of a a crutch. It wasn't, it didn't do anything for us. Yeah. We didn't have well, a, a following. We didn't really gain any momentum until, you know, a few years ago. I wanted to, I wanted to um, just quickly ask Ray, what's it like singing other people's lyrics? I've never, I've never actually asked a vocalist that. When you're singing it, do you sing it with the same passion or? Full Blown Chaos, played a bunch of shows together previous to me even coming into the band, you know, and, and we always had a good dynamic. We always got hammered. We went to strip clubs. We got crazy. I loved their music. And there were a few songs that I was really stoked to be able to sing because I was like, oh, shit, nice. I got to fucking put my voice on this because Rich was okay. But I'm better. <laughs> you know, felt like it could be done better, and it just it worked out to where fuck yeah, I was able to fucking retweak a couple of things here and there, and and it, 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 it's cool. It's definitely, especially when you're a fan of the band already, it makes it so much better. Yeah, you know, one thing it's like you're just like there've been other bands that I filled in for for tours where they're like, hey, can you learn this album? We're going on tour. Can you help us out? Uh, our singer can't do it. And you learn it, and then you just kind of learn to like it. If Even if you don't like it, you just make it what it is. But with my brick, I already enjoyed a lot of the roots and, and of the songs. So it was, you know, it wasn't difficult at all. There were, there were some songs that I just barked 
through. You know, on the, the at first uh, mad ball run when I filled in, I just had one practice. And, uh, like, you know, did you do an evictor life? Yes. Down even. You know, so uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, there was some women the size of horses, but <laughs> that's another story. But um, shit, you know, it's it, it's it was fun and. Then it was just like, hey, you know, stop doing this part time. Let's do this full time. Nah, that's yeah. hard, man. So, <laughs> I, I've got one more question. I got sorry, because I, I know you're going to jump on, Lewis. I got one quick question for Mike. I went to ask him. Did you write all the early? Did you? Are you like? Do you write most of the music? When you when you when the band formed, what style were you looking for? Do you have a particular? Did you want it to be fast, slow? <laughs> well, my my go to my go to bands. Have always been metal, Slayer, Exodus, um, you know the the roots of, of of a lot. And then going and then going as I grew up, I, I got into hardcore later. So as I grew up, then I, I started diving into the Agnostic Front, sick of it all, Madball. So having that bass metal thrash background, and then combining it with Madball and then even some hate breed stuff like that. It just, I, I listen to a, a, a diverse, uh, if you were in our van on, on a tour, our, our iPod is, is so eclectic. It's not even funny. Um, so we listen to everything. So I, I, whatever I'm inspired by at that moment influences what I'm writing. So I think that's why, like, there's a little bit more thrash stuff on the last couple albums because I've been getting back into the old thrash stuff again, and it, it, I missed it. It's like, oh wow, I I forgot this song. I forgot about that song. So we started writing kind of tailored to that. But what I usually do is I usually build a framework of a song. I don't dictate anything to Andy, Jameson, or Ray. I, I not at all. I I I like here here's my idea. What do you think? Okay, and then Andy will tweak and go, okay, that's cool. Well, why don't we do this? All right, well, let's get together and we'll map it out and we'll figure it out. And then. Uh, is that true, Andy, or does he just go like, fucking, you, this is the song? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, he's telling the truth. <laughs> no, not at all. It, it's, uh, so even, even once we get the rehearsals done and we have a framework, we go into the studio and what we do is we try to map out the framework so the drums are satisfactory for Jameson. And then once they're satisfactory, we even go back and change the song even more because now we have the time to get the, that that drum pattern down on record and be like, all right, I, I get a better idea for this part and we'll change oh, it up. Sick. So, you know, the, the writing doesn't stop until it's stamped on the CD. And then even if we change some of the shit, so I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck we're doing to tell you the truth. But just, just, just on that, um, what you're saying about you coming up with an idea and then showing it to the other guys, there must be times when you write a song. Even Andy, there must be times you write a riff and you absolutely love it, and and then the other guys are just not feeling it. Haven't you had that before? You know, uh, not so much with this band. I mean, with, with previous bands, yes. Um, but but with this band, I mean, 
I mean, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't bring a whole lot to the table as far as, far as writing. You know, maybe a couple of riffs here and there. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think there was one riff that I, that I brought where, where it, was, it was good to go and whatever. And then when we got to the studio, Mike changed just a little bit of it. And, and not because he didn't like it or, or it was hard to play. It just this seems like it would work better, you know. And, um, and in the end, you know, it all worked out fine. And, you know, and I'm not the type of guy that's like, well, that's my fucking riff. It's, that's the way you've got to do it, you know. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it works the best. You know I mean? It happens, though. It you know, happens in bands. It's got to be different. So. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I always say musicians are maniacs, man. Trust me. As a vocalist, I know, Ray, you'd probably agree, man. <laughs> fucking, they could be maniacs sometimes. I, uh, you know you know what's crazy? I When I write... I purposely I don't I can't listen to anything because I don't want to be influenced by something else. Okay. I want it to come from me. So it's like I literally have to close myself off for a week, two weeks of anything and just if it's you know, and just write lyrics. Sometimes I have music to put to it, sometimes I don't. I just go with what's in my head and I'll write so I don't end up like if I'm listening if I'm having a, a week where all I'm listening to is like sick of it all, that's all that shit's going to come out. Yeah. If I have a week where I'm just listening to Stamping Ground, it's just going to be Stamping Ground. You know, that's where my, my lyrical and vocal content, um, the, the cadence, the style, everything else, that's what's going to happen. So I have to close myself off so I can write. And like, like if we write a thrash tune, all right, you know what? Then I'm in that mindset. And I'm like, I have to make it a thrash tune. Like I don't. I try to compile it differently, you know. And it's and it's easy. And Mike writes a bunch of stuff too. And he just, you know, he's got, you know, he as he's as full of hate and anger as I am. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, so it's like we're able to fucking, <sighs> you know, we we pull from the same source of, uh, you know, of animosity when we when we put our lyrics together. So it ends up uh, a lot yeah. of the stuff we get to bounce off each other, and it doesn't. It really doesn't have to get tweaked much at all. I think I think the most critical person uh, when it comes to writing in the band is Jameson, our drummer. Oh, really? Uh, and he's he's more critical of himself, I think. And I notice that he changes a lot of things before it goes in the studio. He's got like four or five different ways he plays certain things and i'm like listen we gotta we're going to the studio what are you doing he's like i'm just trying to map out what i want to do and i don't know if i like this i don't know if i like that i'm like well i like this this and this and he's like yeah but uh. and it, so jameson and i behind the scenes talk a lot about what's what he's doing and we when we go into the studio we when that engineer is there i tell them i said you have full control to tell us if there's something not right Mm. because you know what you're an you're an outside ear and mm. got to respect it because we're biased and if something just isn't jiving i mean it's hard but when you're right when you're called in you have to kind of drop your ego a little bit or you could yeah or you, you can do that bit a lot better man have another take try it again even though you've probably done a couple of takes already you're like no nah, this is my best yeah and that kind of goes back to what you had said Wima, about about you know, if if I write a riff, does Mike try to change it or somebody else try to change it? And, and it's like you said, you got to drop your ego. I mean, 
whatever you write mm. to you is the best shit that has ever been written on the planet. But maybe to the other 99 million people, it sucks, you know? So, and, and like you said, you got to drop your ego. And, and once you look at things in the grand scheme of things, you know, once something gets changed or tweaked a little bit, you're like, oh, shit, you know, that does work. That's that's good, you know? But there was there was one time where we had it. We wrote a song, and it, it, it wasn't jiving. There wasn't the vibe there, but a couple people were pretty much steadfast on their parts. And we just couldn't agree and we just didn't do the song we just said, fuck it let's move on next yeah and, and you know, the other thing is you can always like pick those songs up later on and when we were talking to uh, Rob from Born From Pain and he was saying like for one of their CDs wasn't it they like just revisited a load of old stuff that had been written years before and they were like holy fuck some of this is really good like yeah let's, let's fucking uh, let's take it I uh Toured with Bun- with uh, Born from Pain a bunch of times. You know, when uh, Che was singing and when Rob was singing, and I, I, you know, there's always, you know, that, that's the whole thing with having another vocalist come into a band. It makes things a little bit different. Mm. And with Rob, Rob has so much fucking energy. It, mm. It's fucking wild. Like his, you know, like he gets in his zone and and he fucking goes. He doesn't know shit. About fucking Belgian triple beers, but <laughs> <laughs> to have that much energy and be so fucking old as well, like <laughs> uh, sorry, Rob. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, did you guys were you all born in, in the New York area? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I I was born born raised and still live forty miles west of Albany. And Mike, you're from Albany as well. I take it, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in uh, in Troy, New York, and then um moved to Albany. Um, but yeah, I've always been upstate. And and the one thing growing up that, that sucked was I could never get a ride to New York City for shows. So oh, <laughs> I, I, I had to deal with what I was given in upstate New York. So that's why I was more of a metal kid because I'd never had a ride. I, I was, I kid, all the Troy Corps kids all stuck together and I left Troy and went, and my parents moved to Albany and separated me basically from all my friends so not only could i not get a ride to troy but that's where the ride going to new york city were going the last time i was in america i wanted to go i wanted to come upstate go and visit a friend in uh, syracuse and obviously being in new york i thought it was upstate i would probably be like an hour just to get there I checked the fucking uh i checked the the google map shit and it was like saying four hours and shit shit. new york city then Albany's two uh, two and a half hours from New York City, then two and a half hours of Syracuse, then two and a half hours of Buffalo from there. Albany is like is like the perfect area because we're three hours from everything. Three hours from Canada, three hours from New York City, three hours from Boston, you know, two hours from Connecticut, you know, all the New England states are within two hours. So it's like for for a band that's starting out with a tour schedule and everything, it, it's it's really a good you can go back and forth and, and not have to accrue hotel rooms, you know? It's crazy. When, when, uh, when, when I was a kid, you know, well, I say a kid, like, you know, teenager, you know, there were always shows going on upstate, you know, whether it was like my place up in Nyack or QE2 up in Albany, and we would hop on a bus and we'd hope that the show was over before the next, the last bus down. You know, we'd go up and catch crazy shows and shit all the fucking time, you know, but 
it's it was difficult for people that are upstate just to get around. Like if you don't have a vehicle yet, or if you don't know somebody that's willing to go, you know, fucking you know, mass transit won't get you around to where you need to go. I mean, I know obviously a, a lot of people know about New York hardcore, and definitely a lot of people know about Tricore, but um, I'll, I'll be real. When I first got into the music, I had no idea about Tricore until I heard about, until I got into Stigma. And then obviously we checked the back and see. Hey, happy birthday, Bob Riley. Oh, it's his birthday. birthday. Yeah, it's his birthday yeah. today. Fuck yeah. Dude, he's massive, that dude, man. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I remember when I went to Epafest one time and he, uh, they played, I think it was in 2013. Or 14, I can't remember the date of the year, but one of those two. I remember just walking through the crowd and I looked around like, and I just see this five fucking humongous motherfuckers. Man, man, he's a mountain fucking tongue. But um, yeah, I've got into Stigmata, so I don't really know too much about the whole Troy Core scene, but I know I've, I've had a, a feeling once after hearing a few other bands that everything's sort of like doesn't sound the same, but it's got this uniqueness to it. Like just how New York hardcore bands have the uniqueness to them. So does it come with being sort of like metal influence around it? That's why Troikel has such a distinct sound. Yeah, it's uh, Troy. Troy is uh, we have New York City and you have Brooklyn. Yeah. All right. I'm put this as an example. So you got the Brooklyn style hardcore. You got like the Biohazard and Life Agony and Typo. They all came up together and they all stuck tight and they all they all did th- a lot of things together. It's like Troy is like that. As well, Troy is a little bit. Uh, it's a tough city. A lot of the Troy stuff is uh, got a harder edge, I would say, than like Albany. Albany was more, always more of a traditional hardcore kind of stuff. Um, the fast punk, um, you know that. Not to say that there wasn't any angst there, but Troy definitely bridged a lot of gaps. But Troy definitely has more of a an oomph behind it. Just simply, th- them kids grew up harder. I think, it's, I think uh, it's fucking crazy how that really comes through in the music as well. Like it does. It's angry. So does it? So it's, it's fair to say, obviously, Troy has his own little scene and like, there's Albany bands and there's bands from Syracuse as well. But is it just fair to say Upstate had a particular sound when it came to that sort of music? I mean, I, I mean, the the moniker Troycore seems to have dissolved over the years because there's not really any newer bands coming out of that area anymore. They haven't been in a while. I think we were probably one of the last waves of Troycore bands, but um, Dying Breed was definitely out there. You got One King Down. They weren't necessarily Troycore. A lot of them kids came from Cahos, which is five minutes away from Troy. So you got one down, you got Section 8, who wasn't necessarily Troy. They they had, you know, I think they had one member that was there, but, you know, they were mostly Clifton Park and Northern. So in the late 80s, early 90s, Troy Corps existed because those were inner city kids getting together, doing their thing. Andy, was you in any, you in any early bands before joining up with Brick by Brick? Well, no, yeah. So I used to play guitar for a band called Letchworth. I, and I don't know, we were around maybe seven, seven, eight years or so. And that's that band is kind of how I met Mike and, and got to um, network with a lot of other bands and, you know, people in the music industry. Um, Mike, you know, he, he does the Upstate Black and Blue Productions and hires bands, books bands, and 
So he used to have to book my old band, Letchworth. But what in uh, so that's how I got to meet him, and and then I ended up doing sound at one of the venues that he that he would book for, and and uh, so you know I've known Mike for going on twenty years because of that band, and then uh, that band, yeah, you know that band never really officially broke up. It just kind of was one of those deals where it just dissolved. This is out. Yeah, all of a sudden we weren't a band anymore. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh shit, we haven't done a show Happens. in four years. I guess we're not a band anymore. I got I got hired to sing for a band called Renewal of Faith. Now, mind you, I've never been a singer before in my life ever, and I was terrible at it. Terrible at it. And uh, I even asked those guys and said, "Why the fuck would you want me to sing for you? Have you heard me sing before?" And uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <sighs> You know, because because here's the thing: I would do backup vocals for Letchworth, but it was more of like the singing stuff, not so much the, the screaming. And I couldn't do the screaming to save my life. So, so at the time, I was a truck driver, so I would drive on the road 10, 11, 12 hours a day. And for 10, 11, 12 hours a day, I would just be behind the wheel going, just just trying to <laughs> practice. There'd be people driving by doing double takes, like what the fuck, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, oh, I love it. so I got to the point where I could do it, sang for that band for a while, and then it was kind of the same scenario. That band dissolved and without uh, any official you know, ending. And that's when Mike had called and said, you know, hey, do you know anybody that would be willing to play bass? And I said, yeah, you know, I'll give it a shot. And and that was that. You know, I've been with the band ever since. It's all been downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, all, that's all uh, we, uh, we tested his liver a bunch of times. So. Actually, I, I know Louis, Louis is most probably going to ask the question, or talk about it later on, but you guys are in my top five of band drinkers. <laughs> Bands that can really drink. Honestly, I, I would probably say you're the only bands that I've been to shows with. Obviously, we've done a 10-day tour, but you know, there was moments where I'll see you, especially uh, Mike and Ray, you guys would be like, have your bottle of whiskey, and I'll, I'll walk over and I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going over there. <laughs> I, I ain't going over there. Because I don't think, I know they're going to say, drink this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. So I'll just, I'll just avoid that area. Don't get caught by the bar. Yeah. Somebody's going to grab you. You're going to have to do shots. Oh, yeah. Some simp and buy them, or we're going to fucking use some fake drink ticket scam. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> you're from the states, you've got a roll of like staples, fucking drink tickets, and you're trying to fucking get your own shit. You know, it's crazy. You know, especially, I mean, shit. Like fucking uh, that last night of tour, I kept going up to the little fucking window, and I kept getting coins. These fucking coins, I still have like a a fucking wad of these coins. <laughs> <laughs> one beer type of shit or whatever and we were just drinking 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 and i kept going down hey i'm in one of the bands okay cool you know <laughs> yeah didn't need credentials didn't need anything I, I laid the fucking brooklyn on a little thick and fucking that's it and fucking you know oh he doesn't speak fucking german he's got a fucking he ain't from here here you go you, you're not gonna <laughs> how, about, how about that time how about that time we played in pennsylvania and um you know first thing we do is you know we, we we roll the bar for drinks it's like all right what are we drinking they're like oh we gotta wait for the 
manager to get here. So the bartender comes up. She goes, the manager says it's two drinks per per band member. So she gives me eight drink tickets. I said, okay, what are they good for? She goes, anything you want. I said, okay. So I tore off one drink ticket. I go, I'll have a picture of Jack Daniels. <laughs> I said, you said good for anything. I will have a picture. You fill it full of ice and pour Jack Daniels in it. I, I can't do that. I go, all right, well then you can throw some Coke or Diet Coke in there. <laughs> like just looking at me baffled i go you said anything i said so hey is what she goes all right and i'm like oh my god that worked <laughs> pictures of jack daniels <laughs> nice. i remember do you know what in berlin i walked around there and, and you two ryan and mike you were just yeah yeah we're just gonna get a bunch of free drinks and like yeah, we, we can do that. And you're like, yeah, of course we can. You would have one of those. Really confident. One, <laughs> one bar we had gone to outside of Esso uh, was a Trey Tufel. It was a Arrows bar. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. We were there. We were there drinking early. We grabbed a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of the Iron Reagan guys. And we were like, hey, come fucking drink. You know, and we were fucking, we were a little saucy before the show even started just because it was like, Hey, let's, you know, and Errol and I have history from years of fucking being in Europe together and just lamenting and hating the fucking world. And it just fucking worked out. It was like, Oh wait, we can fucking let's fucking drink that, that bar. We had pictures of fucking Jack Daniels. That was Altoona. That was brick by brick fest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. what I was yeah, I was in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Oh, I was like, that was yeah. the best. So, so the name of the fest was Brick by Brick. We sold so much merch because everybody thought it was festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Ray, that was that same tour. We were uh, we were in Netherlands, and and also the dudes from Iron Ragnar were out there at the cave. Remember? And on the way yes. back, maybe you don't remember, but on the way back, you were so fucking hammered. We're walking down the street. You're pushing over fucking motorcycles that were parked on the street. Like, fuck this oh. guy's motorcycle. You're pushing them over. <laughs> we're in Harley's. Fuck them. Yeah, I've got, oh, to, I've, got, I've got to say the Rebellion tour was was actually one of my favorite times of my life, especially during music and stuff. But I never toured before. So the idea that obviously you don't know everyone at first. You know of bands, but you don't know anyone. But um, I've said it before. I think we've all previously said it. Like, I know Stephen, uh, Stephen Wemmer said it, but everyone connected really well on that tour there was no drama there was no egos or anything like we just always really had a good time we ate we drank we drank a lot more than the normal like and just what was your probably your obviously you've mentioned a couple of bits about it. what was your memorable parts of that tour if you if you remember it what night was not a memory not a good memory at least on that run especially like when we were in Switzerland, we had a shit ton of time. You know, we had a shit ton of time to just hang out. They had that hotel next to the venue. Oh, yeah. That was weird. That's what. <laughs> you know, they had that hotel next to the venue that was like our green room. Yeah. And it was, it was fucking awesome because, you know, we, we really we had time to sit down, break bread, talk to each other, you yeah. know, routines and just, you know, and really have a, a sense of camaraderie yeah. on that, you know, which was awesome, which was 
That was kind of the same thing in uh, in uh, Nuremberg out in Germany, where it was it was like a communal fucking green room kind of kind of a deal. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, in Nuremberg that was pretty cool. And then um, also, you know, it wasn't the best show. It was a bit weird, but the venue was pretty cool. Hamburg, I think everyone was pretty much done by then. It was the ninth show of the tour, but it was a big room, massive table, yeah. and everyone was just. You and I by that point had cut the tops of our fingers off. Oh shit! I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That, bread that, knife, man. That, that, that was in. Bread in, knife, right? That was in Munich. Yeah, that was bread knife gate. So I've got. So I've got. Who did the photo of the bread knife? Who put? Uh, someone put like. Was it you, Ray? That did the like just the thing next to the bread knife, saying "Don't just don't." No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah no, I, I wrote a note out because that shit was that shit took more fucking blood than you know, medical profession other tours were messaging me about that night. I, guess I I saw they were playing in the same venue and I hit them up and I was like, yo, watch out for that bread knife. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, fuck. You know, I cut my open, I did this, and I'm like, yeah, I told you. You know, I fucking, but I mean, food, the catering was awesome. But yeah, that knife was no fucking joke, though. That knife was. So I was just going to give um context to the, to the listeners. So we're talking about when we was on the Rebellion tour, and they had some catering out, and they had um, some bread and cheese and salad, and they had a bread knife that was so sharp that, like, it just literally had to touch your finger, and it would cut it. <laughs> so literally, I just, I just, I literally picked up the breads. Yeah, bread knives are normally bread, bread knife blades are normally pretty dull, isn't it? Like, they're, they're not sharp at all. So I just fucking just cut through it. I regular, like, okay, bam, and I went, ooh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> It was fucking wild. Literally, then I then I walked away from it, and then I must have come back a little while later. Then I see Andy, and I was like, "Oh, so Matt he goes, oh, I just cut my finger." <laughs> 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 we kind of, we kind of, we kind of, yeah, we, we touched blood and we bonded together. I was like, yeah, this is the tour. Man. <laughs> I cut, I cut my, um, I cut my thumb up on it as well. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I was just like, uh, uh. <laughs> there was a of us, I think, that cut ourselves. I can't remember who the other people were, but yeah. <laughs> so, what was your favorite city on the on the tour? Do you remember? City as in the the crowds, or I mean, my I, I had a good time in Berlin just simply because I, I actually went and saw some sights. That yeah, was like the that only was amazing. that I I really got out because I was the one primarily doing all our merch and stuff. So that that was that was. Uh, fun for me what was the one venue where everybody all the singers got together and sung for tony that was one of my favorite shows that was in Nuremberg. that's the night me and andy made our debuts for Matt yeah, as well. yeah i was supposed to do one of the the songs for ryan reagan and i missed my fucking shot because i was upstairs practicing madball and ryan reagan is playing the song with no fucking buddy <laughs> to sing it it's like oh fuck they're playing right now <laughs> and that's another thing like being fans of a lot of the bands you're on the road with it makes it easy that if something happens, you can jump in. Freddie pulled me aside. He's like, "Yo, he goes, uh, I, can you can you learn the Madball song?" So I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> goes, oh. I go, "I am fucking hammered." No, I'm hammered. No, I I goes, I just I put I threw Andy right under the bus. I go, talk to him. It was awesome because I mean, just for you know, like multiple people wanted to sing. Brian Reagan and like we were all sitting there writing lyrics out, yeah, just so we can remember them and you know in that communal you know back room area and we're drinking and just writing shit out and like 
fuck yeah, what song do you want us to do? What song do you want this? What song do you want that? And it was fucking wild, you know? It was like, you know, Colin, you know, did something did great, you know? He fucking, man, he fucking killed it doing shit for Iron Reagan. You know, everybody, everybody fucking, you know, picked up the slap. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. camaraderie, you know, that's, that's what is supposed to happen with, you know, sure. with musicians, at least. You know, it's like we all pull for each other. That's Once again, I'm going to be that guy to give context to the story, Lewis. So uh, basically what happened was uh, Tony, the singer from uh, Iron Reagan, he'd fallen ill. Tony took ill, he had to go to hospital. So they needed vocalists and had to fill in. I don't know where the Iron Act singers were. I think they fucking was just drinking and eating and shit because I don't remember <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember being on stage right? I was like yeah I was watching it and just enjoying it man watching the, the <laughs> bands play and everyone sing it was amazing yeah. and so so obviously the guys uh, chipped in and they obviously filled in and, and, done, a, and a, done a good thing done a good set for the guys obviously helped out and then the Madwell situation was um, it was Dominic he was he was the guitar player for Born From Pain who had been filling in for all, all summer long he he got ill as well. Like Don wasn't feeling too well as well, so they were guitarists down. So Marble needed a couple of well, needed someone to fill in. So Andy from Brick by Brick took uh, lead with that, and our Steve as well took lead and played some tunes. And it was pretty cool seeing Steve up there. So did um, the drummer from um, uh, Death Before Dishonor. Their drummer he he did a couple songs that night as well. I, I actually missed that Iron Reagan set because I was too busy fucking yeah. Well, that's why I felt like such an asshole because because I was supposed to sing one of those Iron Dragon songs because that was the initial thing, and then twenty minutes before Madball is supposed to be going on is when you know Dom had decided, oh, he's sick and you know throwing up and blah blah blah. So everybody got called up. We're all learning Madball songs, and as I'm learning Madball songs, Iron Dragon's performing the song that they had asked me to sing. I'm like, fuck, fuck. I'd never I'd never been so nervous. I got to be honest before getting on stage because like. Mabel's band I've been into since I was 15 years old man and I'm getting up on stage and I'm playing two tunes and if I'm the guy that gets up there and fucks it up <laughs> it's like, it's all filming. Uh, I had to miss the I Am Reagan set I was just <laughs> to be fair you did totally fuck it up <laughs> you know the guys from Slope came in and did a they, they did a great job you know everybody did a fucking great job at that show. it pulled all of us together even more I want to ask a question one of you got someone on our bus. We was told not to do a number two in the toilet, and I suspect one of you three gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> broke that rule. <laughs> I think it's time that you should own up. Mike's like, what? Live on the Everyone <laughs> But Us podcast. Who done the shit on the tour bus? Come on. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. We, we know. We know the zip bag rule. I know the zip bag rule, and I let everybody else know the zip bag. Explain it. You put a, you put a bag in. Fucking take a shit and you throw it out the fucking window. <laughs> there, there, have been other tours, there have been other tours that I've been on in Europe where there was a nightliner involved where we would just roll over and fucking just pee in the fucking bunk eye. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, shit gets fucking. You know, there were times where I would just let it go. I'm like, oh, here it is. <laughs> Harold was fucking real mad at me. He had his girlfriend on this one tour, and it was in Wolverhampton. And uh, he had his girlfriend with him on the bu- the bottom bunk of me. Oh, and no. I pissed through the bunk, pissed through the fucking... Oh, no. 
Wow. Oh, oh no. It, it just shit happened. So this whole fucking coronavirus thing, talking about you being in the UK, is uh, probably going to prevent us from getting drunk in London. We'll, we'll make it there again. It's just a matter of when the world resets itself and it gets back. You know, I mean, it's good. It's a good thing because maybe our livers will be more <laughs> to each other. I doubt it. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we have, we have, I was going to have, I was going to talk a little bit about music, but um, I wanted to just actually touch. I know you recently spoke to um, Jimmy at what's it called? The Brooklyn Blast Furnace. But um, I've kept it up. Saw it on what's it called on Instagram. You guys going down to Lynchburg in Tennessee, and and I saw Mike. I saw your post. You was getting asked people going, "Yo, if you want a bottle of this, you got to make sure that you fucking order because once it's gone, it's gone." So yeah, for the benefit of the listeners, I want to say that these guys actually have their own branded edition of Jack Daniels, brick by brick. Yeah. So basically, um, I I'm, I'm when I have downtime, I become a, a pain in the ass. So. I'm a big Jack Daniels fan, in case you haven't guessed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I noticed on uh, tour. I was, I was looking for an endorsement. I'm like, oh, give us an endorsement. Why not? We drink enough of it. could be something, you know? <laughs> and uh, they never said no. So they kept bouncing me to rep, to rep, to rep. And they finally gave me a guy. And um, we started chatting email. And he actually researched my name. And I, I have a probably about a fifteen to $20,000 collectible Jack Daniels collection. And oh. all my registered for the distillery. So he hit me back and he goes, you're an avid collector. I said, yeah, I've been collected for about 20 years. <clears throat> he said, well, and, and I'm also a Tennessee Squire, which is basically the Jack Daniels fan club kind of thing. So he says, well, you're eligible to have your own single barrel if you'd like. I'm like, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Oh, so he basically told me um, what the criteria was, and we met it. So it's a lot of money. <laughs> he said he goes, it's it's about it'll run you about ten to twelve thousand dollars. I'm like, Ooh, uh, yeah, got that. So I contacted our label to you know. Listen, it's going to go, all right. They said they would front it if, if needed, but we had so many pre-orders. It paid, didn't need to pay for itself. That's it. Pay for itself. Good. So uh, right now we're in the process of packaging it up. We're, um, I got the bottles. I got 246 bottles. Uh, and I'd say I think 240 of them are spoken for and paid for. Uh, I think there's six left over, which includes four for the band, and I think I might have two left over, and a couple people are, are, I said, just wait till the dust settles before I do that. But I have all the bottles, and right now they're in the process of getting engraved. We're getting our logo engraved on the side of them. Oh, that is and then sick. We're combining that with a T-shirt and actually a custom Jack Daniels guitar pick that I use. And then, um, you know, a couple other things. So, <clears throat> I'd say June, we're going to start shipping them out. Steve, Steve got one because he's a Jack Daniels. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. not even no point me asking. So I was going to I bet Steve's got one. I knew you fucking had one. I knew you fucking had one. I walked the first night of that tour. Um, I went into the shower. At, uh, what was that first night? Um, 
Leipzig. And I go into the shower and the showers are all cold. And I was like, fuck. And I saw it as I'm walking in the shower, I passed by the little like kitchen area and there was a bottle or two bottles of Jack Daniels sitting on the side. And between that time and me discovering the shower was cold and then just deciding against it, I come out and the bottle was half empty. And then I see then I see Mike standing there with half of the bottle in his glass. And I was like, oh, he's, uh, who, uh, who's that Jack Daniels belong to? And he's like, I think that's anyone's. Well, I'm drinking it. So I was like, all right, well, time for me to get some as well. And uh, yeah. We became friends at that point. Ray, Ray <laughs> that was our moment. Ray turned up shortly after, and uh, I think we polished that bottle off within about fifteen minutes. Everyone but us, straight from the heart of London. So I wanted to quickly ask you, just last thing about this Jack Daniels thing. So obviously, Brick by Brick have their own signature Jack Daniels. Are there any other metal bands who have the same sort of thing? I'm sure there's some big fans. Slash, I'm sure Slash has. Motorhead, Motorhead did a run. Uh, Motley Crue did one, and Leonard, and they have a country singer named Eric Church that has his own bottle too. I watched The Dirt recently. Uh, what? Oh, no. That was pretty funny. That film was terrible. That film uh, was, was terrible. It was funny, right? It was yeah. terrible. It was, funny, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> it was for four. It was man. It was funny. It, it, it felt like a, a, a Saturday after B movie sort of type Hallmark shit, man. But just. With tits and fucking drinking and drugs. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was felt like cheesy, but like like yeah, it just felt like an R rated Hallmark video, man. Hallmark film. Yeah. Fucking Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, he, he, was, he, did, I he did a good job. He though, did a good job, though, man. That's what I thought of playing Tommy Lee. Like, Tommy Lee, I did, I, well, the story obviously, some bits are done for dramatical effects and shit, but the bit when he's with the dude from Hammer Rocks and the car crashes and shit, like that was. It was a bit Bill and Ted for me, but yeah, I guess so. So who who come up with the idea for the video to a uh, bar is open? It was pretty much a no brainer. <laughs> the song was definitely modeled after like an Iron Reagan municipal waste ish kind of thrash. You know, I mean, like I said, we've we've all touched base in the thrash area for a long time, but that video just had like a fun vibe to it. So Ray Ray's like, this is what it's gonna be. I said, oh, all right. <laughs> so yeah we had a, a holiday party um and we just that was that was, we just made it work we just filmed at the holiday party and had fun with it it's actually really well put together video as well man yeah shot as well man it, actually, it, was, really yeah, it, it, it was all on the fly yeah. too and the best part was that um the uh so tony tony foresta from mine Reagan did a guest vocal spot well he couldn't be in the video because they were on tour in Europe when we were shooting the video. So Mike had these fucking Tony Foresta popsicle stick puppets, you know, made up. So we were, <laughs> everybody's holding up during his part, like, oh, I'm Tony, I'm Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, without really realizing this, every video that we have done since then, those popsicle stick puppets are in the video, not on purpose, but they're just in there at some, like somewhere. So we've kind of decided, like, maybe from now on, every single video, even if it's for a half a second, that Tony Fresta head is going to be in the video somewhere. It's going to be like an Easter egg hunt. The Easter egg thing, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool. I see you've done, also done a tune with uh, Jessica Pimentel as well. 
she that was I, I went into the comments and I see she was like, Oh, you didn't respond my name right. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I spelt it right. I spelt it correct. Yeah, it's, it's some of those messed it up. Yeah, I, I would have definitely thought so as well. Do you think videos are now are important in terms of like getting the band's music and their message out, whatnot, even if it is about serious shit or is about drinking? I, I think so. I, I, I think I think it's fun. I mean, you gotta have fun with it. And the last few videos that we did, we have fun with it. I mean, you know, the songs may be serious, but the concept isn't. And well, <laughs> when we release this next video, we're gonna totally embarrass ourselves on that one. <laughs> like the last the last video we did was was a fun video. And um I just I have a hot rod truck that I just wanted to put in a video. Oh shit. So, oh shit. <laughs> found a premise and uh i don't know if you ever saw the 1978 b movie called the car no and it's about a car that's possessed we took that concept and um we 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 made it so the band befalls a lot of bad luck but it's not bad luck it's good luck but it turns out to be bad luck the name of the song is called bad signs so you gotta uh, check it out it's fun like i said we had fun with it it's just you can't take it serious i mean if you take too much i mean how many videos can you see of a band just playing live it's, uh, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's true man. Mm -hmm. it's true yeah. it's like people are always like yo you never take pictures of your band playing i'm like well first of all i'm playing how can i take a picture of <laughs> <laughs> well, who gives a shit? all the stuff that people don't normally see i want to you know the sights and the 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 fun the camaraderie and and just all the the good times that we have you know so those are the memories you know i mean uh, playing is awesome too but it's it's just not something that somebody else is going to remember so you know and, and in a fun way we kill hippies small children puppies and and uh, old ladies <laughs> <laughs> i want to just quickly obviously we not we're going to be coming very close to the end so just a couple more questions but to to roll two things into one I know, Mike, before pre-COVID, you was putting on some serious, serious shows up your end, man. Metal shows, hardcore shows, mixed bills. Have you been putting on shows for a long time? Because um, to me, it just seen that you've been doing a great job, but it's up, up, upstate black and blue stuff, man. It's been really cool. I mean, I, I've, I've been doing shows a long time. I, I basically started doing shows just to get my crappy bands on bills, you know? I, I really I really started doing shows seriously probably in 2004. Murphy's Law was my first, quote-unquote, bigger band that I booked, and that was in 2004. And the train just kept rolling. And you know, now, I mean, I, I actually, three years ago or four years ago, Four years ago, I actually had, I was bidding on Slayer and I won the bid for Slayer and I was going to do the show and I had financial backing and everything. And of course, I was going to put us on as an opener, but they, uh, they changed routing of their tour and oh, it, it no. I know so I was like, oh. oh, but I was in a thrash band. The name of the band was called Attica. And in 1991, we opened up for Slayer. Slayer and Testament in front of like five thousand nice. people. So that was that was uh, fun for me. Was, then, was, that, so. was that the CD that you recently put on the release? You recently put on Bandcamp that band. Yeah, that, that was uh, done through Upstate Records. That was an old that that, that CD is twenty years old. 
and I've basically found it. I found it, and I was like, an unlabeled CD. I'm like, what the hell is on this CD? I was like, oh, my God. And the, the songs really stood the test of time as far as metal and thrash go. So uh, I ran it past the label, and they're like, yeah, let's release it. The hell with it. So we did. I was going to say about Upstate Records, man. They've been doing a lot of good stuff recently. And obviously, yeah. they got you guys. Mario and I go back 30 years. So, and he was he was actually the original bass player for Attica. We were like, it was like 1988 or whatever, you know? But uh, yeah, he's, he's doing a great job. And I help him out with a lot of stuff for that label just because he's helped us out and he's he's going above and beyond for, you know, we were on Eulogy Records for our first re release with Ray, then Fast Break for our second release with Ray. Yeah. But I told, I basically sat down with Mario and told him everything that, you know, we weren't happy with, with those last two labels. Not saying that they're bad labels. It's just, just wasn't just doesn't work we out. weren't yeah yeah we weren't we weren't the main focus obviously they had bigger bands but mario treated us like his main focus and, and it helped us out a lot it definitely showed on the tour like because obviously we opened it <laughs> you guys played seconds but i noticed a lot of people obviously knew your stuff and were definitely in. obviously you, you play a uh, what's it called a motorhead cover as well i'm like, not that, that that actually means anything that, that was um that's definitely worthy of a mention, by the way, because any band that ever covers Motorhead covers Ace of Fucking Spades. And while that is a great tune, uh, these these guys went with uh, another favourite of mine, um, which was Iron Fist, right? Yeah. And I, I, I chose that song because it was exciting to play. And, I mean, I am not saying that any of the other Motorhead songs weren't excited to play, but we didn't want to... We wanted to pick a popular one that was fast and reflected our style as much as possible. And that song seemed to really fit the bill. And, and I played that at, in a band, in a punk band, probably about 30 years ago. And it was just, I remember it was fun to play. So it's a fucking, it's said, a cool song. The first time I heard you playing it, I was like, wait, I know this fucking song. <laughs> yes, they're doing this one. <laughs> and also on uh on uh fucking hive mentality as well man you got the cover of skid row as well which is <laughs> cool as fuck to me like i'm gonna definitely get these guys to cover some glam rock from back in the day <laughs> like, we get some like get some warren or something going on or do a do a do a whole compilation of hair metal bands do them hardcore version call it haircore do you know what we did? <laughs> That's a good idea. In my old funny. band years ago, right, there was a, there was, I don't know if it ever came out, but there was going to be a compilation of hardcore bands doing hair metal songs. She's going back like 2003 or something like that. And I don't think it ever came out, but my old band, BDF, we recorded a medley of songs and I still wish we could have released it somewhere, somehow. We never did. But it had like Europe on it, had the final countdown in there, uh, <laughs> had a winger, you know, 17 by winger. We had some Mr. Big song in there. Oh boy. Nuclear Family Records presents the split EP from Cold War and Mandalay. Cold War from South Wales bring you angry vegan hardcore. And Mantlet from Coventry bring upbeat metallic mosh heavy anthems. Find it on Nuclear Family Records Banker. Out now.
So obviously now, yeah, I wanted to just quickly say what were the plans pre-COVID? Obviously, we were speaking about coming to, to England, to Europe again. Did you have anything else up in the pipeline? Did you look to record soon or did you have any release coming out? Or was you planning on well, touring? We got, we got a lot of material written and uh, with any luck, we're going to start rehearsing in June and go in the studio in the fall and release something early 2021. So that, yeah, I definitely... When this when this uh, isolation stuff hit, I hit the guitar and uh, came up with a lot of good riffs. I think a lot of good skeletons, I should say. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna be nice. We we got a lot of stuff uh, on the on the horizon here. Is it an album or just? A- yeah, well, we got enough material for a full album. And then you know, you know, the Europe is waiting for you once more. Yeah, and the thing the, our our problem with Europe is we've never coordinated a release with Europe, with a European distro, uh, with a tour. So like when we first went over in 2017, we had a new album out, but no Euro, just distro. So when we went over there, we kind of were new. So then when we went over with Rebellion, we re-released the the Fast Break release on vinyl and re-released it in Europe. And that was okay. That did fairly well but it wasn't released through their label. It's really hard and complicated, but now we we have the right formula. So now when we release this one, it's going to be tied together with American and Euro distro all together, all at once. And, you know, we learn from a lot of mistakes. So hopefully uh, it'll, it'll be all in line by the time we get out there, you know? What do you prefer, plan in the States or touring in the States or touring in Europe? Well, let's see. There, there's pros and cons to everything. There's way more cons to tour the United States than Europe. Europe Europe is great. It, 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 the, the way we've gone over there the past couple of times has been tremendous. Um, the only advantage for United States touring is on the East Coast, we use our own equipment and we have our own method of transportation we got our own van and stuff like that so just having our own comfortability with our own instruments is the only advantage really but as far as being treated uh you know europe definitely is a different level for us i mean we 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 do good we we do a lot of diy stuff when we tour united states and that's that's in its own right fun but Yo, you tell me you guys didn't feel like a rock star walking off that door. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when when that bus when when that bus pulled outside of Theo's, I was like, oh my god, I was like this is yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, we'll, we'll tour anybody. I, I'll, I'll tour, I'll tour basements for the rest of my life. I'm like, God, I don't care. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, cool. Yeah. Like I said, just making the friends and meeting the people—that's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Respect to it's that funny you say that though because we got to Berlin and we seen that fucking two two of those tour buses and I'm like oh my god I want to call my mom like mom I fucking made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny man uh, Ray I just remembered you was going to come over in July to play a show in London with Full Blown Chaos is that right yep yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were supposed to we were supposed to play that show as well, yeah. Fine, that was supposed to play. Well. Everything got the kibosh for the summer. So um, festivals got all canceled. Um, everything's getting squashed or rebooked. 
you know, like pretty much because of the whole virus and everything. So it's, uh, I mean, it'll happen. It just might be later in the year or it'll end up being, you know, we'll retake it again. 2021. Who the fuck yeah, man? definitely. That would have been cool, though. That would have been a nice link up again, man. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, it's, been fun, man. it's just a matter of when. There's there's too many opportunities for good people to, you know, to still connect. It's just we need to jump the hurdles yeah. of bullshit right now. When, not if. Yeah, yeah it's when. It's yeah. when. You know, we, have, we have too many friends, you know, between all the bands we've been in, all the current bands we're playing in right now, you know, I mean, all right, we got to put it on hold. Okay, but... We'll get back to it at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah man. It'll be a fucking party as well when we do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a fucking mess. Like, right now. Like, I'm fucking... I'm half in the bag. I've been drinking since noon. So... <laughs> It's the Lord's Day. That's what he wants. It's Sunday. That's, it, That's what he wants. You know why the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy, Andy's going to go for a swim afterwards yeah. in the ocean. <laughs> Andy, where are you, by the way? I'm in South, uh, South Carolina, down in Myrtle Beach. Oh, beautiful, man. Andy, Andy has no... Uh, Andy has full immunity to uh, any type of sickness. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know what's funny yeah. is um we've got all of, our, all of our cars parked here and shit and you know we all got new york license plates and apparently some of these assholes on the beach have called the cops on us like there's fucking people from new york in that fucking house right there and the cops are like uh, what do you want us to do about it <laughs> yeah. you know i guess they're allowed to be here but like well they're not supposed to be here they're gonna get us all sick <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Memories of the Union versus the Confederacy. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a, que- a good question, actually, that everyone can answer. What's this this whole COVID thing? What's one thing that you take from it, like in, in regards to society and how people have been with each other? It opens your eyes, man. It makes you all the stuff that we take for granted. And... Think of it this way. It, it's not even to the level where a lot of stuff was taken mm. away. I mean, just a little bit was taken away. And, and you know, in New York State, you can't find toilet paper, <laughs> yeah, for God's yeah, sake. had that. It makes you wonder. I mean, like, I've been out of work for over two months now. My girl's been out of wow. work for over two months. So, granted, we're being compensated with unemployment and everything, but I feel like I'm retired. I don't mm. want to feel yeah. like that. Definitely going to appreciate a lot more after this it makes you makes you think and also wary of what the hell's really going on i'm so glad that we've actually got to do this man i know it's taken not a year a year since it's all yeah years it's been it's great to see all of your faces yeah. and the one thing that sticks in my head is you know on the rebellion tour was um that one little piano duet <laughs> it was more than <laughs> so that 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 sticks in my brain on a regular. I have a a video of uh, yeah Max playing that piano and Wima and myself singing it. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh shit! They played the piano. I remember that? That's true. Weber done that a couple of times on previous. No, nah, I wasn't playing. I was they singing. Were playing. Oh, you nah, it was Phil Collins, I think, if I can remember rightly. The the fucking. The Phil Collins tour, wasn't it really? 
We often talk about the bus raid. Remember the bus raid at the petrol station? Yeah, that's right. They were fucking pissed. Uh, yeah. They were all sound asleep. We were all wide the fucking awake. <laughs> 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 the window through my bus. I was like, it got quiet all of a sudden. And I look at everybody's raiding the other bus. The funny thing is, they raided the bus and I, I woke up. I was already awake because I watched fucking Robocop 3 and I was in my bunk. And <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, I literally everyone raided the bus. And I always say that the my the way I looked at it is, you know, when like soldiers walk through a town, and all the all the civilians are on the street, and everyone's looking at the soldiers walking past and shit. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was a civilian, and it was soldiers walking through the town. Good times. But anyway, brick by brick, Mike, Andy, yeah. Ray, and obviously Jameson, who come with us today, we're wishing well. Thank you guys for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you so much, man. man. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. This one, I think. I think we, we, if we could have, we would have done it on when we were actually on the tour. But uh, I'm glad we at least kind of like managed to get it done. Yeah, well, Jack exactly. Daniels fucked that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite possibly. Yeah. All, the, all the beers and all the fucking. I gotta say though, before we close out though, that you guys were by far. I I hadn't seen you guys before before that rebellion tour. And you guys were by far like my favorite band on that tour. Respect, man. Guys, respect, man. Appreciate it. You're just saying that. Uh, <laughs> 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 you said it to all the bands. Man, I remember actually. what's funny is just before we did this podcast, you know, we're getting ready to do it, and I noticed, you know, we're going to be on camera, and I noticed I, my wife. She's like, you know, you're wearing an ironed out shirt. I was like, oh shit, I gotta change it. That's game. I wear that. You're lucky it's too hot because I got my show. Because we'd be wearing the same ironed out shirt. Ah, good. Didn't coordinate or anything. And it's like, fuck, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> make sure I made sure I didn't wear it tonight. You know, today just. Because of this kind of stuff. So. <laughs> but anyway, just as we finish off, just want to say, um, obviously, a shout out to our, our official sponsor, Jimmy at uh, Dark Satellite Media, and also to check out his podcast, The Brooklyn Blast Furnace, as well as our, as well as our friends at Post America Podcast. And there's a new podcast now from Essex, then and now, the Essex Podcast. So you should definitely check that out. Yeah, man, respect to Baz and Leon for that. That's it, man. There's loads of people doing like podcasts and obviously trying to get their stories out and stuff. So it can only be a positive thing. So this was episode what? 21? I think 21. No, it's 22. 22, yeah. 22. <laughs> we don't know. We should check this shit before we... Yeah, it's 22. It's 22. See, I knew it. I knew it. It's 22. I did say it. I was going to edit myself going 22. (laughs) (laughs) Sound really out of place. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, guys, thank you very much. We're everyone but our podcast. And this was Brick by Brick. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Everyone But Us podcast. Straight from the heart of London.